Welcome to the Digital Thoughts Podcast. My name is Zan Sayed, and I am a pharmacist turned product manager. I have almost 10 years of clinical experience in oncology, ranging from inpatient all the way to outpatient. My goal with this podcast is to bring people from all sides of the conversation together so that we can learn from each other and build a better healthcare system. In this podcast, we discuss everything digital health from the people to the products. If you do enjoy what you listen to, please consider giving this podcast a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help a lot. Thank you very much, and let's get into the episode. Today, we have an awesome guest. Anish Desai is a hospitalist and digital health advisor. In this episode, we talk about what he's learned from successful entrepreneurs. How does someone find a mentor? Will AI replace clinicians? And what is he most excited about in digital healthcare? This is a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Hey, Anish, how are you doing? Good. Uh, happy to be here, Zane. Thank yeah, you no, for this opportunity. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, coming on my podcast, man. We just did our episode a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. So, for those who don't know who you are, do you mind giving us a little background about you? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember that episode. It was, a, it was an absolute blast, <laughs> uh, you know, doing that episode with you. So, a little bit about myself. I'm a niche. I'm a hospital. I'm board certified in internal medicine. I'm currently working as an academic hospitalist. And I've been working as a hospitalist for two years. I'm very passionate about uh, clinical medicine in general, but in addition to that, I'm also exploring and interested in learning about the non-clinical pathways that a lot of my colleagues are pursuing. Um, so to further explore that passion, I came up with this idea of having a podcast where we actually have physician entrepreneurs come into our show and talk about their journey and more importantly, share and give guidance on, you know, what someone who's starting out as a resident physician can do to, to embark on that journey as well and make it as less painful as, uh, less painful as possible for them. And I'm also very excited about just the general trends that we're seeing in healthcare, which I know we'll get into. Yeah, I know. So, and, um, I guess sorry, one other thing, you know, I'm very passionate about, um, like certain hobbies that I've been picking up. So I'm learning how to play piano. I'm starting to get back into playing tennis more regularly and I just love exploring the world. Nice. Yeah. I've been, I actually, I'm staring at my racket right now next to me, my tennis racket, but it has no strings. Oh, that's it. funny. <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't had strings in it in a while and I've been meaning to get, I've been meaning to get back into tennis. So that's, that's yeah, good too. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe this will give me the push to start, but so <laughs> you didn't mention what your podcast was called. Do you mind giving that? And then also, you know, first let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the name of my podcast, and I can share the link with you, is called the Underdog Physician Podcast. Um, I'm currently running it with one of my good friends, uh, Sebi. And um, currently, we are in the process of, you know, trying to get a stable schedule in terms of releasing the recordings. But it's an exciting podcast. You know, we get a lot of feedback. We, we're very receptive to it. Um, you know, through the podcast, I also share my contacts. So if anyone has a particular topic, or a good guest that they feel it would be a great addition to the show, more than happy to take those requests as well. Cool. And then, um, so in this podcast, you're kind of talking to primarily um, doctors and kind of like their entrepreneur journey. Is there something that you've noticed, like a like a same like the same, not thing, but same like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, is there a story that kind of links everyone together? Is there like yeah. something that's really is the same in all of them? Absolutely. So the, the original idea actually came from one of the books that I read by uh, Tim Ferriss called The Tools of the Titan. 
and in it, he also interviews uh, basically leaders in different uh, sectors, you know, whether it's financial or exercise, uh, you know, fitness gurus. And the idea came to me for this podcast, um, you know, because I myself wanted to embark on this journey and I wanted to learn, you know, what are the, what are the skills or what is the mindset that's needed to get to the, to get to the level that these people are on currently. And, you know, even though there are a lot of differences in, in their journeys, I realized that there are a lot of common themes. Um, and I think the first common theme that I noticed, and this is a great question because I think this is something that surprised me too when I, you know, discovered this trend is the mindset work. Um, any great physician or any great like entrepreneur that I've talked to, I think one of the first things that they did was they worked on their mindset. They worked on their ability to make, uh, ability to emb- embrace uncertainty that comes with entrepreneurship and embarking on a journey that's not it's basically a road that's less frequently traveled. So working on your mindset, I think I realized is one of the key commonalities between all of these, um, you know, people that I've interviewed. And I think there are a couple of ways that they worked on it. I think one common way was by finding a network of like-minded people that, you know, not only inspired them to do something, um, you know, uh, something that is not often done, but also maybe gave them idea, got their creative juices flowing to figure out what the unmet needs are and how to address them. I think the second thing that I'm noticing going along with the theme of, you know, um, network of uh, community of like people is finding mentorship and educating yourself because the current training process trains you to be a great clinician, but the road to entrepreneurship is oftentimes filled with, uh, you know, a lot of surprises and you know a lot of difficulties and challenges so i think a lot of them tend to follow the footsteps of someone that they look up to and they reach out to them for mentorship which i think is important and i think the third and another like fundamental commonality is i think they're all surrounded by a very supportive group of people uh, not just family and friends but this community that's encouraging motivating and nurturing um, and I think one more thing, sorry, it was just their ability to take calculated risk in life in general, I think is what sets them apart. Yeah, no. And I think I agree with you. I think that's something that I see as well. Um, so in terms of the mindset piece of it, um, yeah. so we as clinicians are taught to failure is not an option and there's one way of doing something. And, yeah. you know, thinking outside the box can get you fired, right? Like you can end your career, which is Absolutely. exactly the opposite of entrepreneurship, right? So you kind of mentioned like embracing uncertainty was one thing that they talked about a little bit. Like as somebody that's kind of, you're, I mean, you're not really going in, maybe you are going the entrepreneurial energy, but like, how does, how do people like us break that mold? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I myself am working on, you know, so I'll, I'll share my journey. Um, and it's certainly not easy. And you're right, like with medicine, you know, I'm very appreciative of the fact that it's standardized, there's an algorithm. And, you know, it's it's back, backed by clinical research. So sticking with that and not thinking outside of the box is the best route for patient care. But I think with entrepreneurship, and this is the part that's scary for a lot of us, 
Um, and this is why I say, you know, the mindset is the first thing to work on is, you know, th there is no set guidelines on how to, how to pursue this. And I think everyone has very different obstacles, very different challenges, very different circumstances that they're facing when they're embarking on this journey. Um, you know, so I would say, you know, working on mindset is, is the way to go. Um, and I think connecting with a group network of like-minded people is, is the best way to, to prepare yourself for, for, for what you're getting into. Um, you know, because this is a very non-traditional uh, path for many of us. You know, as clinicians, we, we follow a set of guidelines that are evidence-based, but, and, you know, we're set in that mold, which is very important because that's what gets results, you know, and patient care gets done right. But I think for entrepreneurship, uh, you have to be able to embrace, you know, obstacles and embrace failing. You know, I think one of my mentors used to say for entrepreneurship is, you know, you want to fail fast and you want to fail forward. And being okay with that, because a lot of these successful um, people that I had the privilege of interviewing, um, they, you know, met a lot of failures early on in their journey. But the key the differentiating factor for them was they always, um, you know, took learnings from those failures, they applied it, they implemented it. And that's how they got to where they are now. Yeah, no, that's amazing advice. I think the failure piece, I think, is what got me the most is um, yeah. you're afraid to fail, right? Every You only really have one shot throughout your whole career, right? In one test, one this, one that. Right, right. Um, and failure is just not an option for us. And I, that's like the biggest thing that I've had to learn to kind of rework in my brain. But you also mentioned right, right. something. Yeah, you also mentioned something that's, I think, often overlooked and a lot of people don't know how to do is finding a mentor. Um, so if somebody came up to you and is like, hey, Anish, how the hell do I find a mentor? Do I just ask them? Like, what, what, how do people find mentors? Yeah, that's a great question. So this is something that I struggle with the most because I knew that I needed a mentor. I just didn't know where to look. And there's actually a very famous book called Who Not How. I think, am I quoting it correctly? Who is it by? Is by, uh, yeah, by Dan Sullivan. Um, so the book is just basically this formula, right? That it's okay if you don't know everything because what, what ultimately determines your success is who you know and aka what network you're connected to because they can probably find someone that knows, you know, what you don't know. And I feel like a great leader, you know, in my opinion, is aware of, you know, their limitations. But more importantly, they know where to look to find that who that will solve the problem that they're facing that they don't know how to address. Um, so I think for me, that was the concern Well, there was an issue was, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something, you know, outside of clinical medicine or make it, you know, as a hybrid structure where I, I love clinical medicine, but you know, on the side, one of my passions was pursuing this non-clinical uh, avenue to leverage my knowledge, but I didn't know which mentor to get that would help me get to that level. So I think one of the best advices I would give is using LinkedIn to just search, you know, for people who are in your field who are perhaps doing what you want to do and reaching out to them. I think the other thing I would advise is perhaps going to these conferences. So let's say you're passionate about, um, you know, AI and the role that it will play in medicine, maybe going to conferences that are focused on that and networking there. 
Um, you know, there's always plenty of networking opportunities and you never know that, you know, one person that you connect with at the conference might, you know, give you contact information for someone else who can help you out. Um, you know, that's what happened to me was, you know, I, I was part of this community um, where, and I attended one of their uh, virtual conferences because this is during COVID time. And that's where I ended up connecting with, with one of the physicians who's, who's also a mentor for a lot of other physicians, you know, entrepreneurs. And, you know, that's just how the linkage worked. And, you know, I, I feel like because of him, you know, I got to the level that I wanted to be. And there's still a lot of learning that I myself have to do. But I think in this day and age, social media makes it so much easier to connect with people who could be a potential mentor. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think it's okay to ask uh, people. I think that's yeah, one thing. That's like, a good question. You can, you can, it's, you have to give your permission to ask. Um, and if they say no, like they don't have time, that's fine. Just find somebody else. Uh, because there are people out there that are really wanting to help others because they either came from the same place you came into and just want to pay it forward. And there's a lot of people like that. There's, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it's very, it's not, yeah. it surprised me how many people are so willing to give up time in their day, in their busy, very busy schedules uh, exactly. to talk to like people like me. Exactly. And I think it's all for the greater good. You know, for myself, I know there were a lot of people that helped me uh, when I reached out to them and some just, you know, noticed that I, you know, I needed help with the podcast, giving advice, giving guidance. Um, and, you know, I feel like it kind of inspires me to pay it forward, you know, through, through the podcast that I'm currently running, um, where I'm going to share the journey of others, you know, who've been in their shoes. And I think one of the key things I learned was, like you mentioned, it's not being afraid to ask. You know, the worst answer is they might say that they're too busy or they might be no, but I feel like if you cast a wide enough net, you'll meet a couple of people that will be willing to help you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so what, so, so what is, I mean, if you can say it, like, what are your plans like moving forward? Like, you know, what is this mentor helping you with? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm very passionate about clinical medicine. So I lo I do love that aspect of clinical care. Um, you know, but I always felt like I also wanted to leverage my knowledge uh, to help more people. Um, and my job is such that I have that flexibility. Um, you know, so during my time off, you know, I am trying to work, trying to network with a lot of physicians to learn about what's really out there, because this is a journey for me too, where I'm still trying to figure out like, you know, the way, the best or most optimal way I can leverage my knowledge to help as many people as I can. Um, so for me, for now, like my focus is, you know, definitely clinical medicine and working with the mentor to work on my own mindset, work on my like lim personal or quote unquote limitations that I feel that I have um, and really trying to break through them, really trying to network with as many people as I can to learn about what, you know, what, 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 what other options there are for physicians. Because in this day and age, I feel like the traditional physician role has been expanded so significantly. I think there are physicians pretty much in every avenue, whether it's real estate, AI, engineering, startups, you know, you name it, there are physicians that are in. So I'm just starting in the process of exploring that, working on my mindset, focusing on my family, um, you know, exploring the world, like making more travel plans. Cause now that, you know, the, everything is, the restrictions have been uplifted. Um, you know, you can, you can travel more freely. So, so what, uh, if you don't mind sharing, like what kind of, are you guys, are you, are you like working on an exercise? 
to uh, change your mindset? Like, what are you doing? What are steps that you're taking to kind of uh, flip this, uh, shape your mindset? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, we work on mostly just like personal stuff, like what are my personal beliefs? You know, what, why do I want to pursue? I, I think the really important question that, um, you know, my mentor asked, and I think a lot of that is why, like, why do you want to pursue entrepreneurship? You know, why, why do you want to have this impact? You know, so trying to like understand more about yourself and why you want to do this. Um, and then the other aspect of the exercise I'm working on is what are my limitations? Like, why am I, what's stopping me from doing it today? Like, okay, I want to do this, you know, but what's stopping me from doing it today? Is it lack of knowledge? Is it lack of funding? Is it fear of failure? You know, and then we work on it step by step um, and, and do a lot of exercises, you know, to boost my confidence. Um, they also, you know, I do a lot of meditation now, um, you know, to help me stay focused. Um, and also the other thing that I myself, I, I was overlooking, which I knew was important was nutrition, you know, um, because you need nutrition and, and good sleep hygiene to be able to think critically, you know, be able to, to come up with ideas, you know, um, and things like that. Very cool. So why do you want to go into entrepreneurship? Yeah, no, so this is something that I always ask myself because I know the world is daunting. And this is something that I'm not 100% certain on. Um, it's something that I'm exploring. But the main reason why is I, I love clinical medicine, like I mentioned. But, you know, I also feel like my schedule is set that I have flexibility to, to consider other options as well. And for me, my goal is always to have the more, biggest impact I can. And I feel like entrepreneurship, uh, more important, like developing a solution that can help hospitals or clinics or practices operate more efficiently, um, you know, can, can serve more patients. And, you know, that's the kind of impact I want to have is I want to help as many patients as I can, uh, you know, with one solution. And I feel like entrepreneurship is, is my, is basically the road that I had to take. So are you looking into like going into like, um, like health tech entrepreneurship or like, you know, like what kind of entrepreneurship are you, what, what excites you the most in the entrepreneur world? Yeah. So, I mean, the right now, the most exciting part is, um, the new, and we're still learning about this, but AI, you know, digital health startups are the most exciting because I think just the impact factor that you can have with, with a startup like that, it just gets amplified. Um, and, you know, right now in the process, just exploring, you know, what options there are. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of startups that are going to be coming in that field. And there are going to be a lot more opportunities for clinicians to get involved in down the road. So that's what I'm most excited about, you know? Yeah. Chat GPT, no. I know, is, is also, you know, everyone is excited about it. And we're still learning, you know, about the, about, yeah, we're just exploring the, you know, the possibilities that there are. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, um, obviously, this is a podcast about digital health. So obviously, I love yeah, digital yeah, health. Yeah. But yeah. um, what, so what, what in the digital health world is, got you excited the most? Like, is there something specific? So you mentioned AI is, or is there something else outside of AI that's got you really like, or is AI kind of like the top thing that's got you really excited? I feel like because the kind of impact I want to have, um, I think the most exciting part for me is the role of AI, you know, the role that it will play in patient care, and perhaps reduction in error, you know, healthcare costs, perhaps, you know, if you're reducing errors, maybe the healthcare cost is less, um, 
you know, and then per perhaps like just improving doctor patient report, you know, so those are some avenues that I'm interested in uh, exploring. I think that's the part I'm most excited about is the error reduction aspect um, and perhaps, you know, reducing the cost of healthcare. Those okay. are like the two within the AI uh, field that we look into. So how, um, so if like people don't, so like a lot of people might not know like the clinical space too much, like, like where, where exactly in the clinical workflow do you think AI would be great to like do reduction, like, you know, save money and reduce errors? Like where, where do you think would be the perfect place to deploy it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like for me personally, you know, as a clinician, um, you know, we use the EMR system a lot you know there it's a great resource but at the same time you know there's so much information that sometimes you know potentially you can overlook certain things or certain uh, indications can be overlooked or contraindications so i think that's where ai can come into play or they can go through the patient chart um, and figure out you know like what's the best optimal management plan you know if a patient comes in with infection like a pneumonia you know maybe ai can go through all their charts in a matter of minutes and come up with the best drug regimen, you know, that would treat the infection right away than to have a human, you know, do it. I think the role of AI, and this is the other debate, is if AI can replace, you know, healthcare, uh, replace, you know, physicians. I don't think in any time soon, because there are a lot of ethical dilemmas that come into play with it. But the way I see AI coming into clinical medicine is I think it's gonna be more synergistic. Is going to be basically a tool that will help clinicians provide better care. Um, you know, it can optimize workflows this way as well. You know, just start checking the patient and showing the clinician just all the relevant information that they need to know to come up with a good plan. Um, but with that said, I think the 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 physical aspect of the patient care. You know, the physician actually listens to the patient. You know, does the actual physical. I think. Um, you know, is there to stay, and I think it's a very fundamental part of patient care. Yeah, no, um, I agree with you. I don't think yeah. AI is here to. I don't think AI is going to replace clinicians anytime soon. Yeah, uh, for the majority, like a lot of the things you mentioned, and also a lot of people that don't work in medicine don't realize that there's a lot of gray areas in medicine. Even though right. we have very rigid guidelines and very structured um, treatment pathways, humans are not structured and they're, they're not the same. Yeah. Everyone reacts a little differently to certain things. And I think that you need somebody who's able to react, you know, outside of the gu guidelines. I think like what you mentioned are great examples of it because those are black and white examples, right? You know, for this drug, for, for this indication, these drugs are good, you know, based on their yeah. allergies, whatever, like, Hey, we've looked at their uh, past medical history, all that stuff. These are what, this is what we recommend, you know, like, Hey, this is a complete contraindication. We got to stop this. Like those are very black and white things, but then you kind of get out of it and, you, and it, that's where I think AI will falter. And also another thing is the data yeah. just doesn't exist uh, to train exactly. these AI systems right now. Um, and until that data exists, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Exactly. And you know, uh, Zane, the other thing is, you know, medicine as you know, like I mentioned, is very guideline driven, but I think there's also an art to medicine. You know, and I think the that art of medicine, you know, can only comes with experience, um, you know, that clinicians have. And I think that part, you know, my personal belief is AI will never be able to replace. Um, just because AI will be very algorithmic and very regimented, 
um, you know, whereas I think the personal human interaction allows for the art of medicine to kick in where we can recognize nuances of certain diseases or, you know, nuances from certain patient stories to come up with a more personalized plan. You know, I think AI is there for more of a standardized plan, you know, but I think clinicians provide more personalized approach. And that's something that I'm very passionate about too, is, you know, patient-centric, personalized uh, approach One, to medicine. 100%. I'm sure you've had these conversations yeah. with people when they're on chronic medications that they have to take like yeah. twice a day or something, right? And they're just not taking right, it. Right, right. And then you're like, all right, exactly. why don't you take it once a day for a couple of weeks and then try to take it yeah. twice a day? Like, you know, we as humans can kind of barter with each other, right? Like, hey, let's try this. Let's try that. And we're able to kind of, yeah, technically speaking, it should be taken twice a day. We all know that. But if the patient is right. only willing to take it once a day, that's still better than yeah. not taking it at all, right? Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. you know, that kind of goes back to your point of there's an art form to this, right? You know, it's taking, there's some medications that you take four times a day. Do you really want the patient waking up at 2 a.m. taking this medication? No, like you work out a better plan for them. That's something that's more structured. Like, yes, theoretically, it should be every six hours on the hour. But right, right. humans don't work like that, right? Like, it's just not a possibility. So we have to create something. Personalize the approach. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you had that too, right? With switching the medications, like every day to maybe coming up with once a day regimen. And that was, yeah, that, yeah. those were, the, yeah. both of those examples were like actual real world examples actual that I've dealt with multiple times. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I remember talking to patients, even with twice, three times a day uh, when, and they're like, oh, um, you, you know, how am I going to take it? I'm like, hey, when do you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And they're like, oh, these times. I'm like, just take it at that time. Well, that's not exactly, you know, exactly this part. And I'm like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Like, I would rather you take the medication than have to worry about like waking up at like taking it at 11 p.m. when you go to bed at eight or seven. Right. right. Um, exactly. So like, you know, that's yeah, th that that happens a lot. And I think a lot of people don't see that those interactions a lot because thankfully for them, they're not in those positions. They're not dealing with those kind of things. And if they are there, it's only once in a while. But there are people out there that are constantly you know elderly patients or whatever they're dealing with us and we have to kind of be creative with the way we handle their disease state yeah no absolutely and i'm kind of curious to hear about what what, what you're most excited about with the digital health space for this year and, and maybe moving forward i am really i mean this is kind of a cop-out answer i really like ai um as much as i rail against it in the sense that yeah. I rail against it in the sense that people think that they can replace clinicians. That's what I rail against. Right. I yeah, don't yeah, rail yeah. against like the endless opportunities that it has. There's another interesting thing. It's not necessarily software based type thing, but uh, I guess it would fall into digital health. But like I just was reading something from somebody who talking about 3D printing and that kind of like, you know, bio oh, wow. bio printing and all that things. And that's also another aspect of medicine. That's really, uh, that's, that's another type of technology that's really interesting to me because you could theoretically um, create a instrument right next to you, right, right then and there. Like you could theoretically even print uh, human parts, you know, like for surgery oh, wow. going forward, you know, like, right, so right. like there's people looking into that kind of stuff. And I think that would be game changing and also, you know, hopefully decrease the cost of some of these things and, all, and also give people a new lease on life because um, certain things, you know, if you're, if you don't get it in time, you know, if we can print, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm making this Certain up right organs now. are very, very hard to find. Yeah. If we can print an organ, yeah. um, yeah, that allows, and then your skin kind of grows over it. So then your body thinks it's just your personal organ, you know, that right there, we can just do that for people rather than waiting months and months and months 
for yeah. an organ transplant. And then after that, worried about rejection. That's the other thing that people don't realize is, you know, there's a lot of just because you got the transplant doesn't mean it's going to stick. You know, so right, right. so those are like really cool things that are happening. I mean, is this going to happen like this very moment in the next couple of years? No, but I think that those are, I mean, if you're just talking about pure excitement, those are things that really get me excited. Yeah, no, that is exciting. Well, that'd be revolutionary and game changing. The number of patients that are on transplant list that unfortunately, you know, have to wait for long, yeah, it'd be game changing for them. Yeah, especially if you can kind of do, I mean, I was reading somewhere where they're trying to figure out a way to kind of grow your own skin using stem cells that you have on top of these like organs that they print off or whatever. Like, I mean, I think they did a human ear recently, uh, this way, but, um, but yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy what people will, what people are thinking of. Um, and at first, you know, we thought it would be kind of like sci-fi, like, Oh, this is just never going to happen. Who's going to print an ear or nose or a heart even, but you know, people are trying it right now. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be exciting. I'm definitely excited for that too. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just find, I mean, like I said, I find it fascinating. Um, and you know, that's the, that's the thing I like about tech is there's no, not only thing stopping you is just your imagination. There's nothing else. Yeah. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, kind of going back to your point, like what is stopping you personally or me, right? right? Is it the funding? Is it this or that? But an idea is free, right? And if somebody has an idea, but then they have the funding and all that stuff, there's nothing stopping them then they can pursue that idea. And that's one thing about tech that I really love is if you kind of believe in something, you can find somebody else that believes in it as well. And you guys can maybe make it into reality. We'll see. Yeah. It's a who not how, I guess, mentality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, um, so, so we kind of talked about that. So like, so there's a lot of talk about chat GPT, like generative AI in general. Right. Um, do you think there's a space for generative AI in, Healthcare, like just like Chat GPT, Chat GPT in general. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, any well, Chat, not Chat, yeah, Chat GPT, like things like Chat GPT, things that kind of generate content or, um, you know, like people, yeah. people are saying like they'll write notes for you, all that stuff. Like, do do you see a future in that? Are you like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chat GPT, I think, definitely has a role in medicine. Um, you know, in in the sense that I think. My personal experience has been, I haven't used it so much for medicine, but in general, I think it, it generates a lot of like um, human-like responses. And I think it has a lot of application in, in multiple fields. Um, the field that I'm more passionate about is just like the clinical decision support tool, where like we were talking about, you know, it can flag drug-to-drug -drug interactions. You know, it can perhaps scan through all the patient data and find the pertinent information for the clinicians. Like for instance, the patient comes in with a diabetic foot ulcer, you know, can perhaps scan all the information uh, from previous records and recommend that, okay, you know, based on the nomogram, based on the, the anti, based on the biogram, this is the best antibiotic to give, and this will lead to the best results. So I think it can help in that way. Um, I think that multiple other applications too, it can help with maybe translation because, you know, oftentimes as clinicians, we sometimes use medical jargon or technical terms. So maybe AI can help facilitate that translation in, from medicine to just like a routine language, so, which leads to better patient understanding and much more informed decision-making process. Um, I think remote patient monitoring is another area where AI can just, you know, chat GPT um, in general can help clinicians just flag abnormal vitals and maybe have them promptly respond. Um, to certain emergent situations. 
Um, and all of these things, the common thing is, I think AI or chat GPT being a supplement or being a, a, a tool in the physician's toolbox, um, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I like that. Well, I like the way you put it, a uh, tool in toolbox, yeah. cause I think if, if more companies approached it that way, then there'd be better adoption. Right. I think that they, because that sets expectations like, Hey, this is not going to do the job for you, but it's just something that can help you do your job better. Help you. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. and you know, and you being like, uh, you know, being in the hospital side, right. You're inpatient, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, and I think that AI can really help like with the inpatient side too. A lot of people just look at it from the outpatient side. Right. But there's a lot of applications that it can help you on the inpatients that you kind of mentioned some of them clinical decision support tools, even like RPM to a certain extent, right? Like if you right. have our, if you have, because the biggest thing in medicine is trends, right? If we can see a trend, because right now we're just seeing a snapshot in time, like, Hey, your creatinine's up or this is up, but has it been trending up? Has it always been like this? You know, what is, you know, has, has it, it's kind of like that. So like, you know, things like RPM can even help, you know, hospitalists like yourself where you have the data, you can kind of see the trend and then that can also help you kind of diagnose the patient, right? Right, right. You can help diagnose even imaging studies, you know, like you mentioned the trend, you know, certain lesions, AI can go through all the images and, and identify the trend to see if this is actually a suspicious lesion or not, you know, which is sometimes it can be very subtle, but AI can use, you know, its repertoire of like all the images that it has to identify, you know, if this is a high risk lesion or, or not. Um, and that could lead to early detection and, you know, early quicker management. Yeah. I mean, I think we just, you know, I think, I think we just gave you a bunch of companies to work at, work for or work towards a niche, like, you know, this now the only thing. I know uh, exactly. And, and you know, that's where knowing your why is important because there's a world of possibilities that you can pursue, but you know, my goal is always to, to find the one where I'm the best at, you know, but yeah, you're right. Like Zane for both of us, like there's so many opportunities. Um, you know, that I can perhaps consider in so many applications <laughs> in the field of, I think I wouldn't be surprised if there is a, a career just geared towards AI, you oh, know, down the road. 100%. I mean, prompt yeah, engineering. For... I just saw, I think it was Boston Children's Hospital, I want to say, uh, just put up a job posting for a uh, prompt engineer. Um, they're just looking for, what for engineering? a Sorry? prompt engineer. So a pro you know what a prompt engineer oh, prompt is? Engineer. I'm not so a prompt engineer basically is somebody who knows how to enter a prompt into an AI tool, like, you know, chat GPT, whatever, some sort of generative AI tool. And it, in a way where it gives you the structure and whatever answer you want, right? Like right now you and I, if we type in like, Hey, give me the answer to this, it'll give us a generic answer or whatever, but like prompt engineers know how to um, put in the right parameters, all that stuff. So it can give you like a very human like yeah. answer, like, you know, something at a specific grade level, whatever. Right. Like, so okay. Uh, that's definitely coming down the pipeline and it's exciting to see, um, you know, like it's, you know, like it's actually creating more, it's actually creating jobs right now, AI. So, um, eventually it'll, yeah. like everything, eventually it'll all kind of balance out. Like some jobs will unfortunately be lost. Some, some will be augmented and some will be added. Uh, so right. it's just a matter of, you know, I think also the other thing is if you're a clinician and you are not embracing AI or at least learning about it. You're going to get left behind, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever side of the coin you are, because it's coming, it's happening. Like, so I say and like, it's, it's here to stay. Yeah. It's better to know what's happening. You might not need to know everything, whatever, but it's good to at least, so you can have a educated discussion about it. 
you know, if something is coming down the pipeline versus like not knowing anything or being scared of it because it's going to come. So might as well just guide it in a way that's helpful to us. Exactly. No, I definitely hundred percent agree with you on that. You know, and I think that's the thing with, with medicine is, you know, it's always evolving and it's evolving with the, with, you know, in conjunction with, with technology. And I think AI is definitely going to play a big role. It's going to completely shape the medicine landscape. So, and I think it's going to be part of the med- medical school curriculum. You know, perhaps there might be fellowships geared towards clinicians. I know you mentioned prompting, but for, for clinicians themselves, maybe that's a specialty in and of itself that, you know, clinician physicians might be able to pursue down the road. Yeah, no. And I'm, I think same for pharmacy. I'm sure there's like so many applications for pharmacy. Uh, yeah, there you are. Know, itself. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. Um, I think the jaded part of me will, I think that academia is going to f- be the last adopter of like, edu- you know, I, f- I feel like they, I don't know, that's just me maybe, but like I do, I like, like the idea of exposing students to it um, early on because, yeah. you know, I think that the early, the more things you can get exposed to during your training or in during your, while you're studying, the better off it is for you. And just in general, because then you could be like, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of people who either finished the residency or didn't finish the res or didn't go to the residencies and just went straight into digital te- health because they had mentors or whatever. And they said, Hey, this is amazing. I got my MD, DO, whatever, PharmD, and I'm just going to go straight to a company, um, which is great. You know, they found something they really love and you know, they're doing their thing. But like that stuff doesn't exist unless you have those experiences uh, when you're when you're learning, right? But um, yeah, so like uh, what was I gonna say? But yeah, so what advice? I mean, I guess um, what advice do you give like students right now? Right now, like you know, I'm sure people people reach out to you or whatever. Like what are, what are, what are, what are some advice that you give to students that are kind of pursuing entrepreneurship or di- a career in digital health? Like, what do you, what do you, what, uh, yeah. what is like the number one thing you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position where, you know, I'm running this podcast to give, give advice to as many people as I can, um, from experiences of someone who are like, you know, 10 steps beyond me. Um, but I think the common advice that I normally give is, you know, figure out your why, you know, why you want to do it, know your why very well. Um, Focus on, you know, becoming the best clinician you can and, you know, focus on working on your mindset first, because I think the road to entrepreneurship is filled with a lot of challenges and, you know, I think resilience is one of the things that comes with having a good mindset. And that's something that's very important to have Um, because there's a good likelihood that, you know, when you start trying new things, you might fail at some um, and, and this Unfortunately, the part of the equation, um, you know, part of the entrepreneurship equation, um, you know, so be okay to fail, you know, connect with the community of like-minded people and don't be afraid to reach out, which I think Zane, you, you said it very well, succinctly and very well, um, you know, is not to be afraid to reach out to people. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, like I said, there's an, a lot of amazing people out there um, that do a lot of amazing things um, and yeah. you don't really know of their existence unless you just talk to people and you'd be surprised at how many people are willing to refer you to a job or connect you with somebody, you know, way higher up in a company or whatever, 
just because you asked them. Um, because again, exactly. you won't get anything that you don't ask for. And so it's right. okay to ask. And if, you know, a lot of times when people you're setting up a networking conversation with somebody, a lot of times, not saying that it needs to be transactional. I think that you go in wanting to make a connection, but everyone knows, like if somebody's reaching out to me or reaching out to you or whatever, like there's something behind it. They're reaching out to us for a purpose. Right. And that's okay. Like it's okay right. to do that. Yeah. You know, you know, just, just be a good person. Don't like you don't use people. Right. Just try to make a, build a good connection. And in the end, it'll all work out for you. It might not happen that moment, that month, but it might happen a couple of years later. And, um, like, yeah, the bigger network you have, the the more people you know, the better off you are. Exactly. Yeah, that's very well said. Yeah, definitely. Network is definitely key. Yeah. But what is the best way of reaching out to you? So the best way of reaching out to me is I'll share my LinkedIn profile. Um, so, you know, whoever is listening, um, you know, feels like they resonate with my story or need some guidance, you know, I can definitely, um, you know, be reachable via, via my LinkedIn profile. Awesome. I man. can share the link. Yeah. 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 I'll have the links to your podcast and your uh, LinkedIn below. But Anisha, I want to thank you for um, the talk- thoughtful discussion. I think uh, this is definitely a topic that will resonate with many people in our industry um, because <laughs> I think a lot of people are kind of on the fence. And um, yeah, I think a lot of us are down this journey right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a journey before their destination, you know, as I always believe in. So yeah, no, great, great talking to you, Zane. I'm very excited. Um, it was a very thoughtful discussion and yeah, I'm hoping we can do this again. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you.